Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So this morning, with a little bit less time than usual, we're going to be diving back into talking about the lineage, the lineage of faith. We've been talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We were talking about this story in the book of Genesis chapter 30. We won't go back into it today, but Jacob does something very interesting and we pulled out of that story a very important principle. The things that we focus on, the things that we put our attention on, the things that we look at, the things that we see are the things that determine what comes out of our life. The things that we focus on, the things that we meditate on are the very things that we reproduce in our lives. And it's so important for us to understand this, especially in the middle of the circumstances of life, especially in the middle of the times where so many things are going on and our eyes are being drawn to everything else except for the promises of God. We need to be looking at what God is saying and what he is doing in the midst of it. And he always has the big picture. So we're going to continue to look at this lineage of faith and we're going to look at it from a different vantage point here today. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter five. But before we do that, I want to tell you a quick story. I was driving back home the other day. I think it was on Memorial Day. I had to grab something from my house quickly. And I looked at the gas gauge in the car and I blamed you for this, Jamie, in the first service. It it may actually be, it may not, I don't know. Um, But I looked at the gas gauge and it was like underneath the E. Like there's the E, the dash, and then a little bit of black, and then the red, the dial. So I was like, okay, I got to stop and get some gas. She's saying, no, that was my fault. So I pull over in a gas station, and I quickly look at the fuel prices, as many of us do, and I'm making a quick calculation in my mind. It wasn't how many gallons of gas can I get for this, because it's $5, it's pretty easy math. The calculation that I was doing was more so, how much is this going to hurt, How much can I put in my fuel tank that's going to like get me far enough without really putting a hurt on my, on my psyche right now? It's just this, this mental, this mental arithmetic I'm going through. And so I'm there and I'm, I'm pumping the gas. And so I settled on $25 and, and so I'm pumping it and I get to that point and I go to take the nozzle out of the car and I'm putting it back and it asks me, do you want your receipt? And I feel like I hear God speak something in that moment. I had been praying on the way over and I felt just that, that tugging where I knew he was saying something. And what he said to me so clearly was that you need to start to learn to operate out of the surplus of the kingdom. You need to begin to learn what it is to operate in the abundance of what Jesus has made available to us in the kingdom. So for me in that moment, I knew I had a choice to make because I was already putting the nozzle back and I could have said, all right, God, next time I'm going to fill up next time. I'm going to just make sure that I'm walking in complete faith, but I took it out and I put my card back in and I filled up my gas tank the rest of the way because I, I knew there was something in that moment where there was a small act of obedience where it wasn't about the money and it wasn't about the gas. It was about whether or not I was going to be obedient to what I felt like God was calling me to do in that moment. You see, the obedience 
matters in our lives. The ability to be obedient to the still small voice that we experience so often in our spirits and to say yes to it, it matters. And we're going to look at a story here today about what it means to operate out of this place of abundance, out of this place of faith instead of fear. Because very often we have two choices. We can operate out of the promises of God and what he has said, or we can operate out of our own understanding. We can operate with the mindset that God has spoken something over my life, or I can operate in fear. This is the choice that we have to make. And so we're looking at Luke chapter 5, and starting in verse 1, it says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, Peter's, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. Put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we have toiled all night and we took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. But at your word, I will be obedient to what you have said. You see, there's a few things that I liked in reading this story right away, which is, first of all, Jesus calls Peter into the deep, which to me represents the places of the unknown and the uncertainty. Like he had an experience on the surface, but he didn't know what was below. And the second thing is that he was inviting him into a place of obedience to be able to experience the surplus of the kingdom. He was setting the stage for what Peter's life would look like as he walked with Jesus as a disciple. You see, this wasn't the last time that Peter was going to have to walk in obedience that didn't make sense. And Jesus was giving him an opportunity right off the bat to step into that place of obedience. You see, this didn't make sense to put his nets back out there. He had just said, we've been out all night, we've caught nothing. Peter was an experienced fisherman. Jesus was a carpenter. There was no reason to listen to what Jesus had to say in that moment, except for two things. There must have been something that Peter heard Jesus say. There must have been something that he recognized in the life of Jesus as Jesus was teaching from his boat that made him say, I need to take note of something here. And the second thing to me was the hunger inside of Peter, that he was hungry for something. He was hungry enough that he was going to say yes, even when it didn't make sense. He said, but at your word, I will let down the nets. My question today is how often in our lives do we hear God calling us to do something that doesn't make sense? And then we talk ourselves out of it because of our own understanding. And what we do is we find a suitable alternative to what God has called us to do. We find a suitable alternative that that feels like we're saying yes to God, but we're also relying on our own understanding. Go pray for that person. Well, 
I don't know if I'm going to go pray for them and put my hands on them and make a scene, but I'm just going to stand here in my heart and I'm going to pray for them. When I get home, I'm going to pray for them. It's obedience, but it's like partial obedience. It's like a suitable level of acceptance inside of us to say yes without really having to sacrifice anything in that moment. See, Peter had the opportunity to do that. He could have said, Jesus, no, we've, we've done it all night. I'm going to go back to that spot. I'm just going to do it when it makes more sense. I'm going to go pray about it. I'm going to go seek the face of God. I'm going to go ask for a sign and I'm going to ask for a confirmation. And maybe if I get all of those things and everything points to this, then I'm going to go and I'm going to put down my nets in the deep. But he said, at your word, I'm going to do it. You see, we know something about the kingdom of God, as we said, which is that obedience is so important. Obedience to what God is calling us to do. This reminds me of a story in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 20 to 22, and we'll summarize here today. God has called Saul, King Saul, to take out the Amalekites because of what they had done to the people of Israel as they had left the promised land. The Amalekites were actually descendants of Esau, who we spoke about last week. Basically, they had the same origins in Abraham and Isaac. They should have known better, but they didn't. They walked in disobedience, and so God said, we're going to have to take care of this. So he says to Saul, wipe everybody out, leave nothing. But what King Saul does is that he walks in a level of obedience where there is a suitable level of something else. And so he says, okay, we're going to wipe everybody out, but he keeps the king alive and he keeps all the livestock. And Samuel comes and says to him, what are you doing? I, do I hear the sound of sheep in the background? Because I know that God told you to wipe them all out. And Saul said, I was obedient, but I just kept a few. I was obedient. I did what God called me to do. Except not, not really. So Samuel says these words to Saul that we know very well. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Why is obedience better than sacrifice? It's because obedience actually requires more of us than the sacrifice. Because what obedience is, it's saying yes to God, even when it doesn't make sense. Whereas sacrifice is a dependence on our own ability. Now there is a true sacrifice when it's done in obedience to God. But if we're putting our own understanding, our own reasoning, our own ideologies, theologies, methodologies, any of the other ologies in front of what God has said that we are operating out of a sacrifice out of our own ability, which means that it is not going to carry the power of God to be able to bring transformation to our lives and the world around us. Obedience. Obedience. Because we look in the world around us and we see that this world is really about sacrifice, not obedience. If obedience is the currency of heaven, then sacrifice and dependence on self is the currency of this world. And if we look around, we can see this very clearly. If we look at the corporations, the major corporations in our country today, we look at all of them, we see that on June 1st, all of a sudden, all of their logos change. 
And they match all the colors of the rainbow. And this to them is sacrifice. Because they're, they're putting themselves out there to make a statement. But you want to know the interesting thing? They don't do it in areas of the world that's actually going to cost them something. They don't change their logos in the Middle East because that would actually change and affect their bottom line. It's a facade. It's pandering. It's the desire to bow down at the public opinion, the altar of public opinion, instead of the truth of what God has said. And if we are not aware of this, we will find ourselves partnering together and walking with ideologies and values that are not values of the kingdom. We are not bowing down before Jesus and what he has called us to do in obedience to him. But we are partnering together with the world that changes their mind on everything all the time based off of what's convenient and based off of what's profitable. You see, if it's not the pride flag, then it's the Ukrainian flag. And I, I love Ukraine. If it's not the Ukrainian flag, it's defund the police. If it's not that, it's you got to take the vaccination. If it's not that, then it's monkeypox awareness or whatever that is. There's always going to be something new. There's always going to be something else where the world is changing its opinions on what is going on because it's based out of sacrifice of self instead of submission and obedience to God. I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of months with the decision on Roe versus Wade. I know that I'm praying for it to be overturned. But I also know that there are corporations right now that are positioning themselves for whatever is going to happen. And in truth, there's going to be a backlash. Are we as the church going to be in a place of submission and obedience to God? Or are we going to find ourselves in a place of submission to the altar of the perception of this world? You see, in Acts 5.29, Peter looks at the religious leaders and he says, I can't just be obedient to man. I have to be obedient to God. I have to be obedient to what God has called me to do because it is not about my own understanding. It's not about my own emotions and feelings and the things that are fleeting and changing day by day. It is because I'm going to be obedient to what God has called me to do and to who he has called me to be at all costs. You see what it ends up being when we talk about the world Because as I said a couple of weeks ago, there are some really well-meaning individuals going after things they care about. And we need to care about the things that are going on in the world too. But here's the difference. We need to know where the answer actually comes from. We need to care about the things that are going on in the world and the injustices, but we need to know that the only solutions that we are going to find that are actually going to bring change and transformation are found in the surplus of the kingdom of heaven and not in our own understanding and reasoning. We don't want to walk with a counterfeit currency. We want to walk in the truth of what God has called us to do. And we need to make sure that we as individuals are in alignment with the values of heaven. That we are in agreement with the values of heaven in every area of our lives. And sometimes we have to look around and see who our allies are. Sometimes we have to look around and see all the other people who are agreeing with us and decide if we're going the same direction or not. 
We have to be aware of the things that we are pursuing and promoting and voting for and the values. And see, are we standing in alignment and agreement with the kingdom of heaven or the understanding and the values of this world? Obedience is greater than sacrifice. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to us? What are you calling us to walk in obedience to? Because it's only in you that we're going to be able to walk in the love that we need to walk in. The healing power, the restorative power of Jesus. There was not a person that came to Jesus that he wasn't able to bring healing to. There wasn't an issue that they were facing or an inner turmoil that they were going through or something going on in society where they were a man or a woman or a servant or whoever it was that Jesus was not able to bring his power into that place and to bring the answer that they needed. We have to be in pursuit of that above all else. So when we go back to this story in Luke chapter 5, we see Peter looking at Jesus not afraid of what the other fishermen are going to think when he goes back out. He says, at your word, I'm going to lower down the nets. At your word, I'm going to be obedient. And what's the result of his obedience? It says, and when they had done this, they caught a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. You see, there was an immediate response out of the surplus of heaven through the obedience of them following what Jesus had said. Can I tell you, though, that there are times where our obedience is not always going to bring the instantaneous results that we're hoping for in the natural? That there are times where we're going to say yes to Jesus and there is going to be an impact. But sometimes that impact has to happen here first. You see, Peter did see the results right away. But his response reflected that something else was going on inside of him. When he saw the miracle, he looked at Jesus and he said, Depart from me, in verse 8, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, and also were James and John, son of Zebedee. You see, there was an encounter that took place. They saw what Jesus had done. They saw who he was and there was something inside of them where they came to the understanding of the holiness of the man that was standing in front of them. You see, this is the result of our obedience. Is that we're not obedient to see a result in the natural, but we are obedient so that we can see the person of Jesus and recognize who he is in his holiness. And out of that out of that obedience, out of the ability to tap into the faith inside of us, we are able to start to access the surplus of the kingdom of heaven. Obedience that leads to faith, that leads to the surplus of heaven. See, what obedience is, it's, it's like the official bank card of heaven. It's the authorized account holder where we can put it into, uh, into application in our lives and see the faith start to come into that place to start to see the results that only he can bring. See, I know and I believe with all my heart that this church, that the members of this church 
that the churches in our community are called at this time to step into complete obedience to what God is calling us to do so that we are able to see the revival, so we are able to see the power of God at work in our lives and through our lives. But are we willing to start where we are right now to say yes to the things that are in front of us right now, to say yes to the things that may be easy even if they're inconvenient, to step out in faith and to give a little bit more than we ordinarily would, to bless an individual when we know that they're going through something, to pray for somebody when we know that they're in need, or even if it's just simply getting in our car and we feel the leading of the Holy Spirit to go a a different way today than we normally do. Are we going to be obedient in the little things and the things we're facing right now so that we can see God at work in the midst of every situation and circumstance to bring about his good purpose. See, it's walking in obedience. And it was Peter that was changed by this act of obedience. See, Jesus said to Simon in verse 10, do not be afraid. Peter said, I'm I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. And Jesus said, no. It's not about your goodness. It's not about your ability. It's not about your righteousness. I'm glad that you saw it. But that's not what this is about. Because in order to walk in the obedience, we need to first experience the grace that comes from Jesus that gives us the ability to say yes in the first place. It's by grace that we've been saved. Not by works. So Jesus says to Peter, no, you're not going anywhere. And actually, from now on, you're going to be catching men. In verse 11, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left some of the things. They left everything. What did we sing earlier today? I surrender all to you, withholding nothing. They left everything and they followed him. They said, no more plan B, no more backup plan. We've experienced the person of Jesus and now we are going to walk in obedience to what he's calling us to do. Little did they know that it would cost them their very lives. Little did they know that he was using them to transform the world, to begin the church that would go on to live through the generations to get to the point where we're at today because of their obedience to leave everything And to say yes to Jesus. What are the things that our obedience are going to pave the way for? What are the things that our obedience are going to open up and to prepare the future? Not just today, not just tomorrow, not just next month, but the years and the decades to come. What is our yes going to produce in the kingdom? And are we willing And are we able to partner together to see the surplus of the kingdom of God operating in our lives? Are we willing to leave everything else so that we can experience him on that higher level? See, this morning we're going to take communion together. And as we take communion together, we're going to remember what Jesus did. We're going to remember the sacrificial act that he made to be able to bring us into a restored relationship with him. That we're going to remember today that we get to choose him because he first chose us.
But I want to ask as the ushers are coming forward to begin to serve communion here today. What about in the places where we've fallen short? What about the places in the past that we haven't been obedient? That act as roadblocks every time we desire to step into obedience on another level? What about those things that come to our minds when we want to say yes to Jesus, but we remember the failures and the shortcomings? You see, as we continue into the story of the Gospels and Peter walks with Jesus and he sees the miracles taking place and he sees the Holy Spirit operating through him. We get to John chapter 21 and we find a different Peter. A Peter who has been broken because of his failures. A Peter who has denied Jesus three times. Jesus raises from the dead He comes back. He says, tell my disciples and Peter what happened. But they still go out and they say, we're going fishing. We're going back to the old things. And so they go out into the water and they go fishing again. And they look out from the boat and they see a man. And the man says, have you caught anything? They said, we've caught nothing. He says, cast your nets over on the right side. And they do. And all of a sudden, their nets are filled again with the provision and the surplus of the kingdom. And what does Peter do? He said, that's the Lord. And he jumps into the water. He jumps back into the water. He jumps back into the restorative forgiveness of what Jesus was handing out to him. And Jesus restores him on the shoreline. He said, Peter, who am I? And he said, you're the son of the living God. You're the Christ. Jesus said, you're right. And on that revelation, we're going to build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. As the ushers hand out the elements here today, I want to ask that we would be so aware and attentive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. That if there's any places that we have allowed past failures, areas of disobedience, places where we've fallen short, that we in this time would allow the Holy Spirit to highlight those areas, to remove them, and to show us the grace that is available through what He accomplished on the cross. See, obedience is the currency of heaven. Sacrifice is the currency of this world, but for a currency to have any value, it has to be backed up by something, allegedly. see what the blood of Jesus is it's the guarantee and it's the very thing that backs up our currency of obedience and faith it's the very thing that gives us the ability to step into that expectation of what Jesus wants to do in and through our lives And so as we receive the elements today I just want you to take a few moments and allow the Holy Spirit to speak Allow him to show you any areas where you just need that extra grace to be able to be obedient to what he's calling you to do. In Jesus' name. Thank you.
if you would stand with us here today. Jesus, we thank you for the guarantee that we have because of what you accomplished on the cross. For our new identity in you. That we have been given a new life. A new mindset. For the old things have passed away and all things have become new. And we thank you for that new identity here today. I want to read from Isaiah chapter 53 says who has believed our message to whom has the lord revealed his powerful arm for he jesus grew up in the lord's presence like a tender green shoot like a root in dry ground there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance nothing to attract us to him he was despised and rejected a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief we turned our backs on him and looked the other way He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and to cause him grief. Yet his life was made an offering for sin, and now he has many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he saw all that was accomplished by his anguish, he was satisfied. And because of his experience, he made it possible for many to be called righteous. For he bore our sins. And the Father gave him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was accounted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and he interceded for them.